All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Uh, for those of you that may be live streaming with us today, happy Thursday to you, and I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. I'm going to introduce a brand new guest here in just a second, but before I do, make sure for those of you that may be live streaming or watching the replay of the live stream, um, do get become part of the conversation. <laughs> Fumbling over my words here on a Thursday morning. Become part of the conversation. Part of the, the benefit of these live streams is to engage with our guests. So take advantage of that. Don't be shy. Ask questions. Um, make comments around the conversation at hand and uh, get involved. We'd love to have you part of the conversation. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of, of this after the fact, you know the drill. Make sure you go to on Instagram, of course, at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast and follow us there. You can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule and uh, come be part of these conversations. We usually do at least one or two a week, and we'd love to have you part of this uh, for future live streams. All right, well, on that note, I'd love to introduce our brand new guest for today here on the Boca Podcast. Shamira Preston is here with me. Shamira, thank you for making time to do this with me today. Yes, no, thank you for having me, Nathan. I'm so excited to be here um, and to hop into today's discussion. Well, and, and I was I mentioned this just before we went on air because we had the live stream coming up. I, I felt kind of bad because we, we had technical conversation, just working out all the details before we got started. We've barely had the chance to even interact. So I said, we'll get to know each other on air and we're going to do that together with the listeners. Thanks for your graciousness awesome. and allowing that to happen, too. Um, and maybe we can just start on that note. Just a brief introduction, if you will. I want to get to know you. I want the listeners to get to know you, know where you're coming from before we get into this interesting topic today. Uh, will you introduce yourself and your brand to the listeners? Yeah, so um, my name is Shamira Preston. I have been in the wedding industry for over 16 years, um, and I've been a business owner um, concentrating on wedding planning and floral design um, for about eight years now. Um, my company's name is called Magnolia Rose Company. And then um, a few years, about I want to say about four years or so ago, um, I reached out into the education world and I started um, Elevate um, because I really want us to um, embody in um, community over competition, okay? Um, because so many times we get trapped into that, um, we got to hustle, we got to hustle, um, and forget to bring up people in the industry with us, okay? And so um, things get a little bit murky mm. um, over the years. And I really want that to um, kind of dissipate and everyone rise together. Let's elevate together. I love that. And I, here's the thing. I, You've got like I can already sense your heart, like your your motivation behind it. There's something about having a conversation with certain people that immediately you can see in their eyes and their smile. There's this genuine intention behind it. You've got like the yeah. most electric smile and 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 look in your eyes, like real energy coming through. And so I I, I, I sense the yeah no seriously though I sense the genuineness in that. Um, and and you're right, especially in the well I, I speak from the standpoint of a wedding photographer. I shot for about ten years. I know the, the competitive environment that can exist in that space. Right. I'm sure it probably up the ante even further in the wedding coordinator, wedding planning space as well. It's probably pretty competitive, right? It is. It's, it's highly competitive. Um, and it doesn't have to be because mm. there's more than enough people for all of us. Um, mm -hmm. Whether we are in mid-range, whether we're luxury, whether we're just starting out, mm. um, there's someone for everyone. And mm -hmm. so we really don't have to be in that competitive mindset 24 seven. I, I didn't plan on this, but I'm, I'm thinking about my, the relationship that I had with a, a coordinator. And I want to ask you about this. So when I was shooting full time, it was weddings primarily, sometimes as many as 30 to 40 in a year. 
One of our primary sources of business at that time was a wedding coordinator here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, her name was Taylor. And Taylor was amazing on multiple levels. But one of the things that was so incredible, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, is she would literally bring clients to my office. She'd give me a call or maybe shoot me an email and say, hey, Nate, I've, I've got this person for you. Uh, I think they'd be a really good fit. Can I bring them by? And I, of course, I'm saying, yeah, of course. Yeah, bring them by. So yeah. she'd bring them by the office. And I remember, I mean, she she actually brought this this particular clients in we they sat down on the couch i'm sitting on one couch she's sitting over here in this chair we've got you know the sample albums laid out and that kind of thing the clients there i literally didn't have to say anything i didn't have to do any selling taylor sat there and sold me to the client and yeah. it, it was just like the dream relationship that that we had working with taylor and to be clear we we added value back into her life um my my business partner at the time was photographing family sessions for her and we had just a really working, a great working relationship, but also a personal relationship with Taylor. So it was, there was mutual benefit there, but it was just kind of a mind blowing experience to be, it felt like I was being taken care of by this coordinator. Um, so I, I'd love for you to comment on that experience, like what, it, what it's like to, to refer people, but then just a, a, an added note there, you mentioned the, the varying budgets, if you will, or market segments to work in, low to mid to high end uh, brides and clients. The cool thing about the relationship with Taylor was that she could refer the appropriate person to us even as we changed our prices, right? As a photographer, I, if I'm focused on referrals only with my existing clients, they're likely going to refer clients of the same income bracket. But as we continue to bump our prices up, Taylor could refer the appropriate clients to us. So I just talked way too much. I'd love for you just to, I'd love for you to just to comment on that. I didn't plan on getting into this, but it was such an incredible experience. And I want to know from the standpoint, from the perspective of a coordinator yourself, what is that like um, and how can photographers better develop that, that type of relationship with you? Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. I, I love when I can take a client and just be like, Hey, this is my photographer. I trust in this photographer. This is the quality of work that you're going to get. And when we work with you more, and if you get a solid relationship, um, with a planner, um, that referral base and um, just the simplicity of bringing clients to you is going to be um, just amazing, okay? And um, the the networking aspect of it is really where it comes into play. Mm. Um, it's networking past the event that we um, mm. do together, mm -hmm. right? So um, we may have a first meet um, with that, uh, with the client. Okay. We show sure. up to this venue. Um, and this is my first time meeting you. Right. But after that event, we have to foster that relationship. Mm. Um, so therefore you get to know my company, I get to know your company and we can continue to have that working relationship and feed off of each other. How do you recommend, because this is something that's just really gotten to me over the years is I, you know, you go to a networking event, for example, in the, in the wedding industry, and the interactions between the various vendors there, photographers, coordinators, florists, bakers, whoever it might be, the, the interactions in many cases, at least between the people that don't really know each other, tend to be pretty surface level. And my, mm -hmm. my assumption and kind of my tendency in life in general is to take a much more personal approach to conversation. So the, the BS, to be frank, is, is like it's grating to hear, to watch these, these kind of fake interactions where there's just not genuine heart and intention behind it. Yeah. How do you encourage, how would you encourage photographers to engage wedding coordinators? Um, I guess in, for lack of a better word, just in a more genuine way under the guise of wanting to develop not just a working relationship because we know that's there, but also a genuine personal relationship as well. 
Yeah, so when we're at these marketing events, I know they're stuffy and I know we want to stand in the corner and not say much. Definitely me. Um, I am an introvert, so I was used to just standing in the corner and waiting for someone to come talk to me. Um, but we have to stop doing that. And sometimes those little um, non-personal conversations at marketing events is the bridge to meeting outside of the marketing event. Um, we only have like a brief time at the marketing event because there's so many people that we may want to meet um, or something like that. So getting um, the person's information that you're talking to and setting up an outside date um, is really the go-to way to build okay. a stronger connection. Yeah, don't try and do it like all into that marketing you know, little time frame that we have, like really carve out an hour or two to just like go to the coffee shop, mm -hmm. go to the park or something mm -hmm. um, where you can get more personable. Do you, um, so if you're having a conversation with a photographer at one of those events, can you make a distinction for our listeners between what comes off as, shall we say fake or maybe just trying too hard and somebody in interaction that to you would feel much more relaxed, more personal, more engaged, more genuine at the end of the day. Can you make that distinction for, for our photographer listeners? Yeah. So it's, it's really the difference between, um, being that starstruck fan and being a human. Like mm -hmm. when you see a celebrity, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're like throwing yourself at them. Um, <laughs> instead of just like being cool, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, we all see each other on social media, mm -hmm. um, honestly. And if you haven't seen them on social media, you may want to do just a little back end research um, on the things that they do on social media. Um, anytime that they've shared like private moments with, of their life, um, whether it's their children, their dog, you know, their pets, what have you, um, just having some type of little conversation um, to break that ice instead of just being like, hey, my name is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> there is something that I've heard more than once now that, that grabs my attention. And I'm curious to get your take on this. And it's that idea, actually speaking of curiosity, it's the idea of curiosity driving interesting and, and good conversation. If we go into it, like you said, from the, the celebrity approach where we're just kind of an on somebody and that naturally translates to a certain amount of nervousness and stiffness, the conversation is going to be stiff, right? It's, it's not going to flow as easily. If we go into a conversation with genuine curiosity and interest and not necessarily just asking the same everyday questions that we would ask at a networking meeting, but genuine curiosity, mm -hmm. trying to get to know this person, it seems as though that helps at least encourage more interesting conversation, certainly, and then hopefully conversation that, that, is, that feels more genuine. What are your thoughts on that? Um, for sure. Um, definitely having that um, type of conversation. I know... Um, a lot of times when people have conversations with me, um, it's really, um, it goes around my family because I have a photo of me and my children um, online. And so it's like, wow, you're a mom of five. Like, how do you do it? You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's how, you know, we just start that genuine conversation. And it can okay. be something so simple, like, oh my gosh, you just got a golden doodle. Like, how is it having a golden doodle? Because I want one. So <laughs> when I see people that have one, it's just like, that is like one of my conversation starters, yeah. you know, um, just find like a common interest. Yeah, that's it. And it's, you talk about the idea of being an introvert and, and I understand that. Um, I, I would certainly have labeled myself that way in the past as well. And I know a lot of photographers do, 
as well. But I, I think if we kind of set aside all the premonitions going into a meeting and we just focus on finding, like you said, that, that point of interest, common interest, or just, I mean, self, selfish interest in some cases, hey, I'm, you got a golden doodle? I really want to know about that because I want to buy one myself. Or, you know, for me, it would probably be some conversation about a motorcycle or something like that. But there's, if it starts from that place, it, it's interesting to me. I, I think people aren't used to being engaged on a genuine level. And I know, I know we've parked here for a second. We're, I promise everybody listening in, we're going to talk about style shoots here in just a second. But I think this is so important because I know that, again, the most valuable relationship that I had as a working wedding photographer, shooting 30 to 40 weddings a year, was with Taylor and her company. And there, again, it wasn't just this kind of formality of a working relationship. Um, and certainly there was, there was no compensation, you know, monetary compensation involved. I know that that happens in some markets for referrals and so forth. This was a genuine, not only working relationship, but a personal relationship. And um, also having been in the industry for so long, I'm just so tired of, of disingenuine interactions. I just, I want to connect with people in a real way. And for you and I today, Shamira, we've never met before. This is the first time having a conversation. But I'm genuinely curious. I want to get to know, especially what we're getting ready to dig into. But I also want to get to know you. That doesn't have to be something that's put on or faked. It can just it, we can, as a human being, as an individual, develop that tendency toward curiosity. And I think it makes that conversation a lot easier, even if we are so-called introverts. Don't you think? Right. It it definitely does. Cool. Well, I know, again, we spent a lot of time there and I didn't even plan on it, but I, I think it's an important conversation. So thanks for entertaining that. And I do want to jump into this today. And for anybody listening who may who may have seen the title already, we are going to talk about how to plan content after a styled shoot. And I think this is a, a great conversation because there is a, a tendency to talk a lot about styled shoots. But I, I don't know that I've really heard a whole lot of conversation in the industry about what to do with that content, a strategy for that content after the shoot. Why do you think that is? Why are we not hearing about that, like the post-production, if you will? Um, the short answer is because honestly, people don't know what to do with it. Um, <laughs> once they uh, try out their new thing, right? So whether it's trying out new gear, whether it's trying um, shooting in harsh lighting, whether it's getting used to off-camera flash, right? Um, for the photographers, after they do that skill and they master that skill, they don't know what to do with the content afterwards. And so it just sits um, in folders on your um, laptop and collect dust and it doesn't have to you guys like um that is your marketing material like you have now put a new super weapon um into your superpowers and you have to show it okay um if you don't show it then how is your audience going to know that it even exists that you're even able to um handle these different situations mm. Yeah, you know, I think I was just having a conversation, I think it was yesterday on a podcast about the idea of in, intention. Um, there is a, there is a, I think a pretty common behavioral tendency in the photography industry. And by the way, I've been guilty of it multiple times over, which is a lack of intention in doing something. It's very easy as entrepreneurs and or creatives to have big ideas. We get excited about the big ideas. I'm, I want to, you know, photograph weddings, for example. Okay, that's awesome. Now this year I want to photograph 20 weddings or 30 weddings. Um, I want to work with this particular coordinator. I want to do this styled shoot. We, we know what we want, generally speaking, but it's the, the strategy behind that that tends to be right. lacking, the intention behind that tends to be lacking because most of us are not trained business owners or entrepreneurs. I never got a college degree. I certainly didn't study business. So I had to figure this out along the way. 
And uh, I'm sure that in some form or fashion, that's commonplace for a lot of photographers in the industry. So the idea of strategy and planning and intention isn't necessarily where a lot of these so-called creatives or artist types tend to go immediately. And so that's probably a big part of why this conversation doesn't come up either. Are, are you, I know you're a planner by trade, but has that been a natural tendency for you? Did you have to kind of learn that? Um, well, I kind of have an advantage. Um, I went to school for entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so we covered, you know, the business basics, the marketing okay. strategies and things like that. Um, and then I just continue my education um, through the SCORE Center. And that's mm. a free resource open to everyone hmm. um, is your local SCORE Center. And it's just S-C-O-R-E. Um, they have marketing um, webinars. They have business webinars. There's so much available to you. Um, where you can continue that education and it's free, you guys. Um, so if you're struggling with how to do a website, if you're struggling with social media, they bring in these experts for you um, to gain the knowledge. Okay, that's interesting. So SCORE, is, is this the, I, I pulled up, I think the correct website. Is this the, the brand here, SCORE.org, is that right? Yes. Okay, so for anybody yeah. who's live streaming, you can see this. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Um, I mean, I, I've heard conversation, of course, around local small business organizations, but SCORE specifically, I, maybe this is just my naivety, but I wasn't aware of this. Is, is this an organization that is in most towns, more cities? No, it's nationally known. It like, is. Okay. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> Apparently, I'm out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, there, there's, I'm sure there's a local SCORE center there in Chattanooga. If mm. not, there's definitely one in Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or, well, I mean, good not to know. Tennessee, but like, you know, closer something big what's big in tennessee nashville well I, i'm two hours from nashville um an hour and a half from knoxville two hours from atlanta yeah so i'm i'm sure it's nearby it's probably just my my naivety again in this case but that's good that's that's great to know that there's resources like that of course we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in uh, well so let's let's then talk about what it actually means to have a strategy with this content after we go shoot again there's so much conversation around how to go about setting these shoots up, how to work with the vendors associated with that. Um, and I know this is something, and we'll talk more about it here in just a little bit. This, you're kind of covering the complete picture in your academy. Um, but today I want to talk specifically about that content, what to do with that content after the fact. You mentioned to me beforehand that you've got three kind of big ideas, key steps here involved in this process of content strategy after the shoot. Will you walk us through those? Yeah, for sure. So um, I actually call these three um, key concepts are um, a part of nine, okay? And I call it unlocking your nine. Um, and the three that I'm going to talk about today is your voice, your audience, and then the marketing triangle, okay? So your voice is how you want to speak to your audience. And when you're speaking to your audience, you want to embody what they're telling you already, um, because that's what's going to resonate with them the most. Um, for example, um, anytime I see a, um, like a West Elm ad or anthropology ad, it's like, oh man, I got to put my credit card away. I got to go <laughs> throw it out the window yeah, because yeah. I want to go buy what they're talking about, right? So we have to connect with our audience in the same way, okay? Um, and then we also have to know who our audience is, okay? Hmm. Um, what it is past, um, I want to... Um, 
book a client that makes six figures and that has a degree, right? We need to know that client on a deeper level um, than that. What really touches them, okay? Um, what they find value in. And once we get that value um, asset of um, that person, then we can um, talk to that. And then mm. that's what's going to get them to purchase from us. Okay. It doesn't matter what we show them if we're not communicating with what they value. Okay. Cause that's where they're going to spend money on what they value. Um, and then after that, it's just really the marketing triangle. Um, and, and before we go to that, if you don't mind, Shamira, I'm, I'm curious when it comes to that voice and understanding the client's voice and what their values are, um, on, a, on a, maybe a big picture level, but certainly what it is that they're looking for specifically in a service like ours. How do you, how do you ask the right questions to really understand that? Because it's easy, kind of like we were talking about earlier, to have those surface level conversations. Um, mm -hmm. But beyond the surface level conversation, I think we're going to have to get beyond that surface level conversation to get to know this person well enough to actually be able to speak their language effectively. How do we, how do we do that? What are the kinds of questions that we would ask them? Um, so it's going to go into your after events. So if you've worked with people, um, that you want to work with again, like you had this couple and you're like, dang, I wish all of my couples were like this one couple, right? Um, it's getting a review from them an honest, like thorough review. Mm. What did they like? What did they, what didn't they like? Mm. Um, what could you change? Like, um, is there anything that I could have said or done that would have made your experience with me better. You know, we're always needing to um, work on that being that better um, creative. And mm. so talking to our past couples and even couples that decided not to book with us, if we're able to have conversations with those couples, I mean, because sometimes once they um, decide that they're not going to work with us, then it kind of has a ghost relationship. But if somehow we can still communicate with them, um, and get that information, it'll let us know why they didn't choose us. There was something that they didn't value with us that made them go in a different direction. Hmm. Um, so having that conversation with them. So coming those conversations after working with a client, any, any particular questions or line of conversation that we should have with somebody before working with them? Because I understand the idea of pulling from the experience of past clients, but then some photographers may just be getting started and they need to know how to delve into those conversations with a brand new client. Right, right. So um, delving into it with a brand new client is um, finding out what, like, what makes them happy, what makes them want to um, experience this event like with you, um, finding out what drew them to you in the first place, because something had to uh, something that you put out in the atmosphere um, drew them in. Right. And so if you can have that conversation um, and trickle it through your consultation process. Um, mm. So you're not like directly just like, these are my first three questions. Like, so why did you yeah. um, choose me and things like that? Yeah. Um, so after you begin to like, just hear their story and allow them to talk about themselves and you'll find those things that they value um, by getting them to talk about themselves um, mm. and then getting the, the spouse to talk about the partner and vice versa, okay. because then you'll see um, what 
he or she values about the other as well and what made them um, come to you. I'm thinking about inter- like um, doing consultations with my couples that I worked with in, in years past. And it's very easy because I, I had a multi-page. It was probably like six pages or something like that, this interview form that I could go through and ask some mm-hmm. questions prior to the event. And that's great for the sake of getting information, but there's, again, a certain level of formality about that, right? Like if, if this couple came in, sat down, and they're expecting that type of questionnaire, and I start with something like, what's the craziest thing that your partner has ever done? Like literally just start with that. that. No formal introduction or anything. It would just start with that. It would probably catch them off guard. You'd probably get them both laugh, laughing, maybe a little nervously. And now we've kind of broken the ice and they get into, a, in, into an interesting conversation that feels a lot more personal to begin with. And they also then realize, even if it's subconscious, that we're interested in going beyond the formality, right? Be, beyond those very Correct. kind of stiff formal interactions. I think that's a much better approach. Correct. Correct. And getting them to describe their partner, right? Um, my favorite question is, give me three words that describe your partner. And I've seen all types of things. I've heard all types of things. And then, and, and so they're like, oh, so that's what you think about me? Yeah. Well, you're blah, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. you know? And so just to see that other dynamic, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it allows you to co- have that um, personal connection with them moving forward. And you know, um, things that you can play off of and like little smart or smirky, um, quirky comments that you can put in your emails um, and things like that. So um, I love being able to have that banter um, Mm -hmm. with my couples. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay. So you mentioned three ideas. We have voice and I know we're going to talk about marketing triangle. What was the second one? I, I was writing notes down and somehow I missed the second one. Yeah, it's your audience, knowing who your audience is. Yeah. Um, So to um, that end, I'm curious because you mentioned earlier, you alluded to different segments of the marketplace and there are various segments in the marketplace. And, you know, it's a little side note, but unfortunately, I think a lot of times photographers get caught up and a little obsessed with the idea of working with the quote unquote high end bride. And the reality is that's such a small percentage of the marketplace. There's so much opportunity in the low to mid end market. And um, it's honestly, it's under discuss and it's a loaded topic in and of itself. But understanding what our audience is, is that just about income bracket or what do you mean by that? No, it's more than income bracket. It's more than education. Um, it's really how you connect with them on a personal level. Um, okay. For example, um, if you want to work with like a type clients, right there, sometimes bossy, they have to be in control of everything. Um, If you know that you're not wanting to work with that style of client, then you're not going to speak to them. Um, It's a way that us A-type people, because we're like always wanting to be in control of things. So if you're literally advertising that you're taking control of everything, you're pushing away that A-type couple all the way out the door, right? Um, Or on the flip side of that, you have that person that has never been married before, that doesn't have mother or father support, um, that needs you to hold their hand, right? Um, And so you need to be able to nurture that client in a different way. Um, So understanding who do you want to market to in that sense, right? Um, Is it a traditional couple whose parents are paying for the wedding? Because not only do you have to talk to that couple, you now have to talk to the, the money bag, right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. um, 
um, just figuring out that audience, right? Mm. So um, a lot of the conversation on my um, wedding social media is directed to the parents. It's not even really directed towards the couples themselves because I want to um, attract the money bags. <laughs> <laughs> well played. And that's actually a really great point and probably something that's also not discussed quite enough. There's conversation in our industry about speaking our audience's language, using their voices you were talking about. But I don't think enough about the reality, which is that, yeah, you in many cases, you are speaking to the parents. So are you designing at least some of your content to be geared toward them as well? That's a, that's a really important conversation. How do you, when mm -hmm. you talk about putting content on your social media for the sake of that segment, the, the parents, if you will. What does that look like in comparison to the other content that you're creating? So when I'm talking to the parents, I'm going to utilize those um, moments where it's like the mom is buttoning the gown of the daughter, you know, um, the father and the son or whatever. They're taking pictures with each other. They're having those moments. Um, so letting them know that they're important as well. Like um, we are also here for you because we know that you're letting your precious jewel, you know, walk down this aisle and enter a new life. Um, but we don't want to forget about you. OK, because this is a little bit of your day too. Um, and I know like we get so trapped into like, it's the couple's day, but there's so many big moments that are happening for everyone. And we can't just let those fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, you mentioned marketing triangle earlier then let's, let's finish with that. Talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that and how that relates to this kind of post shoot content planning. Yeah, for sure. So the marketing triangle is comprised of like your galleries that you're going to host on the platform that you own, um, which is your website. Okay. We always want to gear um, our audience back to our website. So whether we're taking that gallery, which is um, one side of the triangle, and we're utilizing those pictures um, of that gallery on social media, which is another part of the triangle, right? Um, so sticking with those two, um, the photos that we show in our gallery are going to differ just slightly than the photos that we share on social media. Um, social media, we want to utilize our stop the scrolling images. Um, so those are the ones that are going to evoke emotions that are going to draw people in to learn more about you. And then on that gallery side, we're going to unfold the story. Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, right. okay. So we've, we've got the, the, the triangles made up of then the galleries on our website. Social media is one of the other sides. Yes. So the, the three sides is your gallery, mm -hmm. social media, and then publication and blogging. Okay. Yeah. And um, how does that, you know, it's interesting because I think back um, and I'm going to sound like the old guy here, but when, when I was photographing actively, it was more about getting pictures in a magazine. Like that was the big thing. I was so excited. We got pictures in the magazine, you know, published in a magazine. Mm -hmm. And of course that transitioned to blogs and, and, and now I don't know, it seems like it's a combination of blogs and maybe social media as well. Magazines occasionally, it's not as, as um, prominent, I guess, anymore. But what, what is the approach to getting content prepped specifically for that publication, whether it's a blog or magazine or otherwise, how does that look differently in comparison to images that we're prepping for a gallery or for social media? 
Okay. Yeah. So your social media, you only want to share a snippet. Okay. Um, it's really just those like six to possibly nine images that um, are what I call your money making shots, right? This is what you're known for. So you're going to showcase those images um, on your social media platform versus when you're blogging um, or submitting for publication, you're going to tell a story to the editor, okay? Um, if you're photos don't um, tell a story, then it's not likely to be picked up. Um, and so you need to be able to, um, you need to be able to attract their audience with your words and your photos. Hmm. So that's really the difference um, between those two. Okay. By the way, I really liked what you said about social media and, and the intention with content that we're posting social media to stop the scroll. Mm -hmm. to get their attention. And then from that point, are you suggesting that we're leading them to the website and to the gallery? Is that the intention? Yes. Okay. So, or your personal blog. I know a lot of us okay. are bad at blogging and we shouldn't be because that's really where our money is. So sure. um, whether it's your gallery or if you blog, that's where you're going to direct them. Okay. Um, and then that publication aspect is just like the whipped cream and cherries on top okay mm. it's like this is what i've done but this is also what i've done i'm so great you're right that i'm on a national platform now sure. you know so um it's building that like no and trust factor really and when you talk about telling a story for the sake of publication um is that in the way that you're packaging what it is that you're sending to that publication? What, what do you mean when you need to be able to tell a story to the editor? Okay. Yeah. So, um, when you shoot a styled shoot, right, they want to know your concept behind it. What were you um, wanting to achieve? Um, and then using those nice fluffy words to describe the gown, the venue, the cake, things like that. Right. Um, so when people look at your images, they're reading a story um, with those words, just as if we were um, a child and our teacher was reading us a story, right? Um, we wanted to hear the words, but we also wanted to see the amazing pictures on the pages as well, right? Um, so it's um, getting back to that concept of true storytelling, hmm. um, not just having the picture book. Interesting. So in... That's, that's interesting because I don't know I've heard anybody ever say that before. It seems like the focus, at least from the photographer's standpoint, is just submitting images and crossing your fingers and hoping that they like them. But you're talking about actually writing content to go, like writing copy to go along with the imagery? Correct, correct. Okay. So if it's a style shoot, we definitely need that copy um, versus it being a real wedding. So when it's a real wedding, the publication is like, here is a form that they send to your um, clients and then your clients fill in that um, story, right? Um, how did they meet? Um, what did they like about the venue? What did they like about their cake? And all of these things. Um, so your clients are doing the work um, for those publications. But when you do a style shoot, you now have to answer all of those questions for um, the publication, right? So why did you choose this venue? Um, mm. Why did you go with this cake design? Things like that. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's that's good recommendation because I don't think that's being talked about a whole lot either. So we've got the voice and the audience and this kind of go together and then this marketing triangle, which makes up or is made up of uh, galleries, the social media, and then publication as well. Mm -hmm. 
Can you, and I know we're going to talk about the Academy here in just a second. There's a lot more to this conversation around styled shoots, but I wonder if you just briefly be willing to comment a little bit on how photographers can kind of plan, I guess, take the images. Let's say they do a styled shoot and they walk away with, you know, 300 images or something like that. That's a, mm -hmm. There's a lot of content they have to go through and pick what's best um, and then decide, come up with a plan essentially to, to push it out to these, these three platforms that we were just talking about. And again, like we talked about earlier, I think a lot of photographers, not all certainly, but a lot of photographers don't tend toward that ability to be able to plan, to think about um, kind of the longer term and come up with a strategy to, to push this stuff out. Can you comment at least a little bit on that idea and just help some of our photographers think about that planning process, what that would look like? Um, can you ask that question in a different way? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, well, I, I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about strategy. And, and honestly, I'm speaking from kind of a, um, I guess from, from my perspective in that I know, like I said earlier, this idea of coming up with big ideas, like I'm, mm -hmm. I want to reach these clients or I want to book this many weddings or I want to build my business to make this much. Those big ideas, that's good and, and well, and it's easy to say those things, but it's the, the strategy in order to get there, the steps to get there that for me is not always the easiest thing to actually follow through on. So I have to be more disciplined with that. I think a lot of photographers, when it comes to big ideas, it's easy to come up with a big idea, but the follow through on that, the steps to get there is where they struggle a little bit, especially when it comes to planning. So when I'm thinking about planning for this content that we have after this styled shoot, it's, it's easy to get excited about the styled shoot. It's easy to get excited about how great the images look after that styled shoot. It's the next steps that the, the actual planning, um, how am I gonna push, how and when am I gonna push these images? Let's say I walk away with 50 images that are just absolutely incredible from the you know, 500 that I shot. And I'm gonna, I wanna push those, those images out to my galleries, to my social media, to my publication. Do you recommend that that is done in any particular way? Is there a strategy behind that process of pushing that out? Do you, do you push it out all at once? Do you do it one at a time? Do you have any suggestions? Because I know content is, is part of your specialty, and I'm just wondering how photographers should go about planning that process. Okay, yeah, for sure. So what you don't want to do is content vomit over everyone, and that is... <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> um, that is when you just put the pictures out there without a rhyme or reason, right? Um, when I think about what I'm going to... Um, push into um, the various platforms, I do that at the beginning of the style shoot. Um, and it's that, that's where I think about it at. But honestly, that has to be because when you get to the end, you don't want to just have that gallery sitting. So when you're developing your right, we have to know what to do with it past style shoot. Um, are we we going to use it just for our are we going to use um um national national credibility hey, Shamira, i think i'm, I'm um, losing you you're breaking up quite a bit can you still going, hear me yes we, we were losing your video i can feed still there. hear you and i can see you okay i think it might yeah be. i don't know it was glitchy for a second yeah, it came back in and out. I'll tell you what, do me a favor and sign out of the call and, and log back in and we'll see if that helps clean up the feed a little bit. Okay. 
All right. So everybody listening in, thanks for your patience as we ran into some technical difficulties. This is the wonders of doing a live stream. Um, it's also the fun of doing a live stream. You never know quite what might happen. I've got a little kitten sitting on the floor below here, and I didn't know if keeping him out today during the show would mean that he'd be eating these cords and I'd have to go running after him during the show. You never know what's going to happen. Um, so we just have to kind of go with the flow. All right. It looks like Shamira is calling back in. So we're going to Make sure she can get back in one second here. All right. All right. There we go. Yes, I can hear you. I can see you. We're good. Okay, awesome. Sorry about that. I'm not no sure worries what happened. At all. Um, where did you last hear me? <laughs> well, you were talking. I, let's actually start back with that original idea, which I, I really liked, which is let's not content vomit, right? So we, we go to the shoot. We've got all these images. We're super excited about it. And you're absolutely right. It would be so easy to, to you know, put a, a massive carousel post or start posting every day or whatever, just kind of dump that content all on everybody. It seems like it would be a lot, certainly a lot more intelligent, but also naturally more intentional if we have a strategy, an actual strategy, a plan in place for pushing that out, kind of trickling that content out over time. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, so whether you're marketing or your posting strategy for your audience is two times a week or three times a week or your audience is used to seeing you five times a week, right? Um, that is how you're going to determine how much you um, feed into um, your social media platform, right? Or if you um, are getting published, right, your piece has been picked up for publication, um, you're really going to highlight the images within that publication um, and draw them to that that particular publication, right? Um, so utilizing those images in that way as well. Um, and then all of your participants um, are going to utilize images differently. So um, what I would suggest um, from the photographer standpoint is creating like this um, gallery that you are able to share um, kind of immediately, definitely if you are um, planning on um, being picked up by a non-exclusive publication. Okay. So, hey guys, these are the, you know, 12 to 15 images that we're able to utilize, you know, right now um, to begin the conversation um, around your business. Um, and everyone's going to pick, you know, a different set of images to use. Sure. And, and to get into that like carousel posting where you're posting three to five images in a single post, um, if your audience isn't used to that, then it really does not benefit you to post all of those images, right? Um, for me, I know every time I post like a carousel of like three to five, I have low feedback on those mm. posts, right? Mm. So. For me and my audience, I don't need to do that. They'd okay. rather see a single image. Um, and I've realized that when I have a short snippet of context versus a long dialogue, I get more attraction as well. So yeah. um, just being able to speak to your audience in that way, along with that picture um, in creating a marketing strategy for each of those posts, like posting with intentionality. Like I'm posting this picture of um, the back of this dress because I want to showcase 
X, Y, and Z, right? Or I'm posting this close-up picture of this couple because I want to showcase, you know, their makeup or their accessories or something like that. So if you are known as a photographer for your small details, you're going to post those small detail shots, right? Um, if you're known as a big picture photographer um, where you showcase like the whole image, then those are the images that you're going to utilize um, and create a marketing strategy around. Okay, well, I, I appreciate you kind of sharing on that. And you're, you know, it's interesting. I, first of all, I'm glad that you point out that, that different audiences will respond differently to different types of content, right? And, and it may seem obvious, but I think it's a good thing to keep in mind because at the same time, I'm also, when you start talking about how just a single image versus a carousel, a little bit of text versus a lot of text, in my mind, I'm like, absolutely, yeah. And it, I would almost assume that that would be the case for, for most, actually, most audiences, only because we do live in a culture, we, we all know we live in a culture where attention spans are relatively short. And so the idea of having to not force them per se, but, but put so much content out there that they look at that, they are consciously or subconsciously a little bit overwhelmed or just bored or annoyed. And they're just like, Oh, forget that. I don't want to take the time. And they keep going. I, when I see these photographers put paragraphs literally of texts on their Instagram posts, that's surprising to me because I don't know, maybe their specific audience likes that kind of content, but I would assume as you alluded to earlier in the scrolling world that we live in, that most people don't care to stop and take three minutes to read a, a post. They just want the quick bit and to keep going. And so at least being aware of what your audience or the way that your audience behaves and looking at your, the, the engagement insights to make that determination is really, really important. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's a good reminder. Well, I, here as we're finishing up the conversation, I'd love for you to, because I know that, again, we just barely kind of scratched the surface around the conversation of style shoots today. Um, will you share a little bit about the the elevated brand and and even more so the intention behind this brand i know you talked earlier about the significance of community but when we're talking about focusing on styled shoots what is the significance of styled shoots what do you intend to do with this brand as you're educating about a better style shoot right um so the intention of a style shoot is really to practice on our skill sets right to polish those skill sets um so we perform better when it is um, go time, right? Um, so that's what Elevate is all about, um, whether you're a photographer, a planner, or a florist, um, because those are the big three that are um, constantly working with each other. We want to be able to take those skill sets that you have and elevate them, refine them, right? Um, making sure they are a well-oiled machine and um, that we have taking the time to work as hiccups, right? Um, getting used to off-camera flash, getting used to indoor spaces with poor lighting, um, getting used to a couple that decided to have their wedding in the most harshest lighting, right? Um, and things like that. During these style shoots at Elevate, this is your time to work through those kinks. So when you come to wedding day, you are the expert that they hired. Interesting. Okay. So the intention here is more to help photographers learn how to refine their craft uh, mm -hmm. for the sake of then being able to deliver for the clients more effectively on the actual day of the shoots. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's so talk a little bit more about the content. I know that you've got, I think you have a free masterclass coming up. Is that right? We do have a free masterclass um, coming up where I am revealing um, my top three secrets that literally allowed me to go from 
working with those $500 clients because Lord, I was stuck in that realm for a long, long time to now having a minimum of $5,000. Okay. Mm. Um, so it, utilizing those style shoots and being able to market in a way that really shows my skill set and what I bring to the table um, has helped my business leaps and bounds. And I wanted to do the same thing for you guys. So I am doing a free masterclass. It's taking place December 15th. And um, you can register for this masterclass through um, our social media. Um, uh, with our the bio the link bio or um, it's right here as well if you go directly um, to our website perfect yeah and as anybody who is live streaming might have seen or, or watching the replay of the live stream if you just go to elevate the styled shoot academy.com of course we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com link at the top of the page there and um, you can then register for that masterclass. And then, Shamir, it's really important that we let our listeners that might miss the live version of this. Um, will there be a replay of the masterclass after the fact? How will they be able to access this? Because this content, this podcast episode will live on. Got you. So um, as far as the masterclass, there will be a limited replay window. Um, of about 48 hours. So if you aren't able to make it live, if you've registered, you literally have into the 17th um, to be able to listen um, to that playback. Okay. And then what other education do you offer through the brand as well? Um, so we have our editorial um, education, and that is for photographers to really just come out and shoot um, at a style shoot. And then um, we offer um, photography for, or not photography, but classes for planners and um, and uh, florist as well. Okay. But um, the the quickest, the shoot and share ones are our editorial experiences. Um, those happen um, three to four times a year, and it's quarterly. Um, so we're able to produce content that is relevant to that quarter. Okay. And this can all just be accessed then on the website. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So, okay. um, it is, um, under the style shoot Academy. So Perfect. if you go just um, to the style shoot Academy, select that you're a photographer and then it'll give you your options. Great. Yep. And for, again, for those of you listening in, you can, you can see this. If you just go to elevate the style shoot academy.com, you'll see the options there. And also make sure to follow a Elevate Design Workshop on Instagram. Of course, we'll link to this, all of this, all these resources in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, Shamira, I really appreciate you making time to come on the show today and yeah. work through the technical issues and ultimately share information and advice experience that you've gained over the years. Thanks for making time for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me.